Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, data engineering, and artificial intelligence. This episode was recorded in front of a live studio audience. Virtually, of course. There are no more in-person events these days. Enjoy the show. Hello, LinkedIn, live, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, all the places. We're streaming all the things. Um, we are. Welcome, welcome to Data Driven. I have with me my host, Andy Leonard, uh, who is uh, wearing a really cool T-shirt, if I do say ah. so myself. <laughs> it's, it's very familiar. There you go. Data is the new oil. Data um, is the new oil. Yeah. I am pulling up our merch site so we can shamelessly promote ourselves. Absolutely. We should do that. Um, help monetize the show um, in ways that are not obnoxious. There's a number <laughs> of podcasts I listen to that I just, I've actually stopped listening to because the, the, the ads are just obnoxious. Oh, um, wow. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I get it, right? You know, you have to pay. Trust me, no one understands more than us <laughs> the cost so of doing true. this sort of thing. Uh, so but, true. But um, the, um, let me uh, share my screen. I'm sharing on social media that, that we're live. Now. Oh, okay, That's cool. what I'm doing. Awesome. I'm in the background here. What's interesting is when I did it on LinkedIn, it's actually got a little inset video going right. Oh, cool. kind of cool. So, um, yeah, I gotta get that. There we go. I'm gonna try to show this, things. but unfortunately, so they they've gotten rid of the thing where it's like, um, you ever watch? Um, I don't. I haven't watched it in years, but the Wheel of Fortune. They had like the thing where they're panning through the prizes and people are picking out their prizes and little heads in the bottom. Yes. Restream through the web browser used to do that. Okay. They've gotten rid of that, so you kind of have this. Um, this triple thing or, or this kind of thing. Actually, this is the least awful option. Um, uh, but if you look here, uh, this is our store. Yeah. Um, we have, ooh, a muscle shirt with Data is the New Oil. I might have to get hard ba- hardcore back on keto for me. I could um, do that you know. and then to show off the, the big tattoo on the right arm. There you go. Um, this is a new one uh, that I had made. I actually designed these, and uh, I you did. You did a great job with those, Frank. By the way. Oh, thanks, thanks. This yeah. one with my latest uh, pip install donkeys. Oh, I didn't see um, that. This is kind of a pip install as a Python utility to install libraries. Yes. Like NuGet, I'm pretty sure there's other examples, gotcha. um, but Python and C Sharp are the two universities I play a lot of time, spend a lot of time in. Yeah. Um, so this started off as a joke uh, on LinkedIn, actually, because somebody was had moved away and somewhere they were, they I forget what it was. They were either snowed in or something like that. Um, and ultimately it was. They, um, they 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 wanted to get Dunkin Donuts and they didn't want to go out or something like that. And I just said, well, can you try if you try typing in pip install donkeys, which donkeys <laughs> being the slang for Dunkin Donuts and in New England. Um, so that kind of became, you know, that'd be a great t-shirt. So, um, yeah, that would be, uh, that would be an interesting, um, so anyway, a number of these, actually all of these I designed, um, 
sometimes they even get me in trouble. No way. Hey. Not um, you. This is uh, the famous one I, you know, Twitter avatar. Love that one. Like yeah, that. I got one of those. I think Stevie Ray wears it all the time now. So the, it's popular with the kids because, yes. um, or the youngsters or youngins, as they say, uh, because <clears throat> this uh, looks like uh, my son has the has has one of these as well. Uh, because it looks like the Obey stickers that you would see uh, uh, up and down kind of New, New York and the East Coast. Right. And when I did, you know, it says Data Graffiti and not Data Obey is because um, they're very aggressive in Amazon merch about uh, trademark. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I mean, they kind of got uh, Right. You know. Kind of it, it was the Bayesian one that, so if, uh, anyway, this one is also very popular. Yeah. There's a guy who went to different conferences. <laughs> like it uh back when we would meet in person yeah we, we have, have to a, say that i i know <laughs> um all right so this isn't about shameless self-promotion just partially about uh, <laughs> um, self-promotion we actually get uh we actually make a fair bit of you know return on on that and it's fun too because you get to you get to wear something it's not oh, yeah. we get a cut of that shirt and stuff yep, like yep. that um we actually do have a couple of comments in the chat. Thanks for watching. Uh, howdy from a LinkedIn user. For some reason, it didn't carry over the name, but I will make sure I to give you a shout out uh, when I look at my phone and see the actual comments. Um, uh, here's an interesting comment from uh, Manav Vananan, who I think was on my stream I did the other night. Okay. Um, uh, could I give him on gold price and predict gold price will raise in september hmm. um that's actually not a bad idea i want to get more into kind of the fintech side of things because there's certainly a lot of data yeah um but given how the economy is going globally i would say gold is going to go up the question is how much is it going to go up well eventually it'll go up i can say that i don't know about september Right, eventually you go up, but you want to, you want, you know, right. I guess it depends on what you want to do. If you want to buy and hold for right. some time, then yeah. it's probably a good idea. If you want to buy and, um, well, traditional. Um, so what we, mm-hmm. you know, what you could do, Frank, just kind of rolling through this. I think um, we're we're fans of Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and he says you can't predict the, you know, the future from the past. Um, he's got a, he's got some great points there. I mean, it's no doubt that's that he's he's, right. he's smarter, way smarter than me, and probably a little smarter than you. But um, I think he's a lot smarter. <laughs> he knows a lot of big big words. He he definitely does. What we call three dollar words here in Farmville. But um, <laughs> a little more expensive. They're ten dollars. Are they ten dollar up there? Well, that makes uh, sense. well you know county tax, state tax. <laughs> but. When you think about, I mean, if you kind of zoom out, right, if you want to do and I know this from predictive analytics. I've been working in predictive analytics since before I knew what it was called. And when you zoom out, when you reduce the resolution, you can, you can see trends from the past that may or may not appear in the future. That's, that's a safe way of saying it. But really, the less resolution you apply, um, uh, I think it's, it becomes a safer, a safer bet. Now, neither Frank nor I are financial, you know, CPAs or financial people, so don't take our advice on spending money and trying to make money in the market. Also, we're not doctors. We're a couple of geeks. Um, you want to right. listen to us about technology. We, we know pieces of technology. 
Um, so all that being said, if, if you do something back, one of the where I'm going with this is it's an election year in the U.S. And traditionally in election years, the markets behave in, in similar ways. And I say traditionally, but 2008 was was out there. I mean, it was a, a whole we were starting what's now called the Great Recession. So that was an outlier. But if you look right. at presidential elections in the United States every four years, we're, this is 2020, we're coming up on one, then you will notice certain things. And one of the one of the indicators is um, is, is the price of coal. I think that would be a, a fairly right. stable. Again, they're going to be outliers. And it's well, it all gets down into the, the, um, the fallibility of predictive analytics. Turns out predicting the future is hard. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Um, but I mean, if you look at the weather reports, and yeah. they're they're often right, but they're not always right. Very true. And I mean, it's the same. It's not the same processes, but I mean, it's I mean, even natural uh, neural networks do have problems with. Um, with predicting the future. Yeah. And it, it's just not so, I don't think it's anything we can do with our current technology or foreseeable technology in terms of pre- predicting um, that how, mar- particularly market fluctuation. Right. Now, I'm sure somebody has, has figured it out and they're filthy rich. Who knows? Um, Maybe. But they're not going to share with the world. They're not telling algorithm. you and me, that's for sure. Right. They're not telling me. Um, but I mean, I would, there's uh, actually a, uh, a video that uh, Siraj Raval posted where he talks about uh, AI predictive analytics and um, um, fintech, which is financial tech. Um, he didn't write the paper uh, or the code, but he does a great video around it. And that's, that's all I'll say on that. I'm going to walk away from dropping his name and just, just leave it there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's probably better that okay. way. It's okay. Um, you know, a lot of people slam him, but I refuse to slam him because, yes, he made mistakes, but he um, he was inspirational in a time of very <laughs> – he was a bright light in a dim room yeah, uh, yeah. for me uh, career-wise. Um, but that actually isn't a good segue into talking about what we're going to talk about. And since we are streaming on LinkedIn and I am not in my – I'm not in a fancy shirt, uh, I figured I would uh, show off some of our merch – uh, a data driven, yeah, uh, but um, basically, um, one of the things that's kind of come up, and I think I shared a link with you. I, I posted a couple of things lately about kind of what does a post COVID IT career look like? Um, clearly, it, to quote Satya Nadella, uh, big deal at Microsoft, by the way. Uh, like you said, you know, we've had um, paraphrasing because this may not be the exact quote, but we've seen two years or two decades of, of we've seen two years of digital transformation in two months is, is, is kind of what he was getting to referring yeah. to the pandemic where organizations had to quickly adapt, quickly scale up their services, quickly change their services. Yeah. And that's something that with the traditional IT uh Infrastructure, whether you had on premises, it was really hard to do, particularly if you have everything kind of behind a firewall and VPN. Right. My wife deals with this all the time because, you know, where she works, their VPN was not um, 
the, the bandwidth available to that VPN is very limited. Right, right. Um, so it's interesting to see how that, the whole notion of zero trust computing, so it's not just about kind of the traditional way of IT security. And I'm not an expert in IT security. I wish I was. Yeah, same here. I uh, wish I were. Uh, but it's definitely something I want to learn more about. Yeah. But in terms of the way that traditional way of thinking about that has been kind of like, you know, traditional. You build a moat around your your castle, you build up high walls, and you're impenetrable. But that's not the case. Uh, COVID is, uh, even with or without COVID, um, that's not been the case. But I think what's interesting to see is this notion of a zero trust model. And I'm trying to convince, um, I work at the Microsoft MTC um, in Reston, and um, we have experts in security and other technologies. I'd love to have them either on the show as a proper podcast yeah. or on a LinkedIn live stream. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, this is actually being recorded live. Yes, this is, and, um, and broadcast to LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Because Frank and, has that LinkedIn thing. I'm trying to get that. I'm going to try to hook you up. I don't have the poll that you do. I am no. It was, it it. was involved. It, it involved bribing somebody with lots of beer. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a great platform. We get a lot of uh, connections. So I found out who this was. Uh, it was Rupesh. Rupesh, um, thank you for uh, doing that. Hey. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's weird. Oh, so we're using a platform. We're going to geek out, sidetrack. It's what we do on, at Data Driven. Um, is we're using software called Restream to service. And if you saw my other stream, I did a couple of streams with, with, with Restream. Uh, awesome service. Uh, you can pipe your videos to 30 some odd different streaming services. Um, but you can also do it through the browser. So they have a really, really high powered browser tool. In fact, I'll actually show you um, some of this. How about this? How's that for high impact? I like it. Um, there's a story behind that, so I'll have to share that one day. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the um, the short of that is, um, you know, when the browser tool, the browser tool does a lot of good things. But if you saw us when we had to share our desktop, we didn't have a lot of control over how that works. Right. Um, but if you have something called OBS Studio, which is free, um, you can have a lot more control. So I've been doing more experiments with OBS Studio. I have a, another computer just dedicated to that. Um, and I have multiple cameras. So if you saw my uh, screen, I think the, uh, the, the stream that uh, I think Madhavan's name is familiar with, I actually had the multi-cameras and stuff like that. Nice. I was very slick. Haven't quite figured out how to do the remote guest thing. That's, that's kind of next on my study uh, guide. But um, I'm excited about kind of the, you know, whether or not you get access to LinkedIn Live. But, I mean, I'm just excited about the opportunity that exists for a lot of people who are uh, would-be content creators. Yeah. Um, there's enormous opportunity. Um, so true. Because even when I was working out of the K Street office, doing a live stream was not trivial yeah um you know you needed special gear or equipment you know i had a tricaster mini mm -hmm. and you know that was not something once i got once i got laid off that's not something i can justify spending on sure but now with just a webcam you know ten dollar 
headphones from Wegmans or whatever supermarket. And if you want to get fancy a microphone, uh, you can stream anywhere from any device. Although I did try to do the restream from uh, my cell phone the other day. Yeah, how did that work? It was abysmal. Oh, okay. Well, but you know, it's science, right? Yeah, you try, yeah. You fail. They're and, working on it, I'm you know, sure. Working on it. I um, I actually wanted to do a stream uh, discussing my solar generator that I built. Um, I remember that. I was going to ask you because I wondered how that was mm-hmm. going. I know you got like marine batteries, right? And you put them in a yes, some kind of container. Yeah. So it just uh, so what this was originally was for. This was for the Frosty the Snowbot project, which was for the um, <laughs> yes, that's what we actually called it uh, for the city of Boston um, because they had a number of bad winters one year, and they issued a civic challenge and. Mm-hmm. One, you know, to, to basically turns out when snowfall gets over a certain amount, they want to make sure that structures are going to be safe. Right. And under normal years, they, they staff for normal years, but that was kind of a burst and they were concerned about is that going to be, um, is that going to be commonplace or, you know, what do they do if they're overwhelmed? Right. And probably what do we do if we want to cost cut? Uh, probably was part of it too. Um, but the key was, you know, automating that. So we kind of thought about how would you automate that? So right. um, the long and short of it was we went with a um, kind of a digital scale type technology um, that, that fed the data into an Arduino and then the Arduino read it off a Raspberry Pi. Uh, well, Raspberry Pi read it off the Arduino mm. and then beamed it back to somewhere. It's like cool. what the weight, what the load was on it. Very cool. Um, it was very cool. But that was my first real IoT project. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And I learned a lot. And one of the things I learned was just the simple fact that in an IoT project, you have to think about things like power consumption, power use. Um, Turns out that they were not real keen about, well, just throw an extension cord out the window of any building and put this on top of. So the long and short of it was that led to me building a um, a, uh, solar battery. And... um, What's interesting about this, let's see if I can pull up the, the video while I'm talking. Uh, this is actually my most viewed video on YouTube huh. uh, by a significant margin. So for those of you who don't know, I guess you could be watching this on YouTube right now. Um, but um, I started my YouTube channel some years ago. Uh, never really quite worked out the hope of getting, uh, you know, retire from YouTube being the next PewDiePie or whatever. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> uh, I'm still where, I mean, we're, we're also streaming this to YouTube right now. Yeah, so, cool. but you'll see this, this video actually has uh, 37,000 views. Wow. Frank. Yeah. So there's definitely something that's very popular with folks and, um, Oh, I'm not showing it. Oh, there we go. There we go. I might have overdid it with the graphics. No, not possible. Yes. The graphics are awesome. Possible. I don't know. Can you hear the audio on this or I no? can't right now. Okay. So that's something else I have to figure yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but it's called, I but ultimately, the name. It says Coleman 55 watt solar generator kit unboxed. Right. So what's really cool about this is um, I do a whole unboxing. Mm-hmm. 
and kind of show the solar panels. I'll jump ahead. And I apologize for our podcast listeners. Yeah, you can't see this. Um, I, I imagine it'll be this. somewhere. It'll be on LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah, well, it, I'll, if I'll be on LinkedIn. It's on YouTube. The video is okay, on YouTube. Okay, there'll so. be video there. Just go to franksworld.tv, and it's literally the only video with, like, more than... <laughs> Oh, I don't want to but it's the, the only video with 37,000 views, gotcha. I'll put it that way. Yep, yep. Um, but, so that was the unboxing for that. But then I kind of, the second video, which isn't as popular, at just about 3,000 views, um, is, again, overdoing it with the graphics. Um, you, where Chris. I talk about... I saw Chris's comment. Chris's comment. Yeah, oh, cool. thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. Chris is a colleague of mine at Microsoft, so thanks, Chris. We should have have him on the show one of these days and kind of talk about what he's up to because I know he's up to some interesting stuff. Very cool. But only he would know if he's allowed to talk about it. (laughs) So, Um, so yeah, so if you look here in uh, the video. This is the one I remember because I remember seeing the container, and that's like a marine battery, right? Bubble. That is a deep cycle uh, marine battery. And the, the deep cycle thing is the important part uh, because with a solar battery, your battery, ha- solar power being what it is, turns out only works in daylight hours. Who knew? Crazy. Um, so you have to store that surplus energy somewhere. And where you store that is in a battery. Right. And there's actually interesting innovations in terms of what a battery means, um, in, whether that's pumping a bunch of water up a hill and then creating your own hydroelectric kind of consumption later. Hmm. There's also something called a gravity battery, which is basically you take a, a heavy weight, you d- drill a hole in the ground, and you take a heavy weight, and you, you use this, the, whatever energy that's temporary, you wheel that up, and then you drop it when you need power. There's also flywheels, stuff like that. There's, I mean, there's a whole... Huh discipline of electrical engineering who knew yeah um um but if you look here uh that was just a waterproof box yeah i think the over thing i'm talking about here is um uh yeah that's the battery i got it's a duracell marine deep cycle um technology and what you do is you you put that in the box the video overlay that i overdid with the graphics (laughs) uh had to do with um because this was being installed in New England in the winter, you have to kind of overdo what your solar power was. Sure. So for a solar, um, you know, I mean, ultimately we were talking about a Raspberry Pi and Arduino. This is probably overkill. I'm not an electrical engineer, but I do love the notion of overkilling stuff. No. Absolutely. Um, so I did, you do have to kind of factor in your latitude into that. Okay. And... This is the video with the Johnny Cochran uh, uh, cameo because I, in the video, I'm, you know, I have these electrical gloves, and they only had one size at Home Depot, so oh. um, it barely fit. And I said, "Yeah, these gloves barely fit. What does that remind me of?" And for you kids at home who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's on Wikipedia. Anyway. Um, this is the connector I get out of it. And what's really cool, actually, about having this on YouTube is that I actually get comments on these videos to this day. Oh, wow. And this, I made this video. This particular video, I think, is five years old. Yeah. 
The other one is six years old. And I, there's still stuff I'm learning. So I call that a proprietary connector. Apparently, that's called a CEA. It's called a C connector. Okay. I, don't, I don't know what that means, but uh, it's an acronym for something. So what this is, what you're seeing on the screen now is the solar um, charge controller. And what this does is this makes sure that the battery is not being overcharged. Right, right. That's important. Um, and this is critically important because if you don't do that, the battery will explode. That's bad. I don't know about you, but fiery hot acid flying all over the place. Yeah, that's bad. Sounds like a bad thing. Yes. Um, and so what you're seeing here is um, the solar uh, charger going into that. And then what I do is I plug it in. I probably would have been okay without the gloves. Probably. But you, you can't be too I don't careful. Know enough right? It's better to be careful. I'll say this. So okay. I was um I was actually an electrician for a few years. Oh okay. and, and in fact in the Commonwealth of Virginia I was a licensed master electrician and electrical contractor for a few years. This was nice. a career before this uh, this latest foray. But um I never wired a house. Or anything. I always worked in manufacturing instead of 24120 like we have in our homes. I was all over 483 phase. So whoa, yeah, 277, three legs of 277. We, we should do a deep dive on electricity. We could we could do that. But the thing is, um, a lot of people don't realize just how dangerous um, electricity can be in, in a battery. So especially those types of oh, batteries. There, I mean, if you you think about DC versus AC. You know, DC will grab you and not let you go. <laughs> so, but, and not the city. No, not the city. Not the city. But, the, uh, but, yeah, you get you get the wrong kind of connection going there, Frank. It would be bad. Um, and, right. and AC, you know, I'll, the thing about working with uh, the higher voltage AC, right, 480? Kills you faster, right? Well, it would know. Whatever got between the terminals, you know, if you put your hand in there and hit two, it would probably blow it off. So you'd live, but you'd be missing a piece. But um, interesting, yeah. It's it's so don't play with electricity at home. Don't kids. do that. Wear gloves, like Frank did there. That's the recommendation from a former uh, licensed electrician. There you go. Well, I have questions because I want to build out more solar power stuff that we should probably do a deep dive on. You know, it's amazing um, the tech that they've come up with around that, and it's not just you know the solar panels, which are incredibly you know, way more powerful than they were just a few years ago. But a lot of the research that has come out of Tesla and companies like that on the batteries, yeah. it's just, we've like, we've like done a quantum leap in just the past few years. So Yeah. And, and battery tech has lagged for decades. It has. I, mean, I wonder why. And a lot of people, it's, don't, I don't answer think the demand was, <laughs> I don't think the demand was really there until, you know, I mean, the idea of having the, you know, your phone doesn't last a whole day. I think that's becoming more and more of a pain point. Right, right. The ability to store energy. Um, I don't know. I think with electric cars, I mean, with current battery tech, there's no coincidence that Tesla put a lot of money in the research on it. Yeah. Because- and it, I mean, there was a, there was, the research was ongoing from what I understand. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people were working on stuff like that anyway, but they weren't getting a lot of traction. And so, right, because I think there's only but so much you could do with chemical batteries, yes. and that's what you're seeing here. There, there, there are certain limits. There's certain um, heavy metals. Yep, rare earth. Not, not like ACDC. Different 
type of heavy metal right, or right. you know ah, got um, it. Boom, boom. i don't have the jump we thing need the there. drum thing like well actually here i can do the video here here we go that was cool that was cool I have a lot of fun with the graphics still. But you're right. There's um, been a lot of advancement in this. And this was the first project I'd seen anybody build, you know, this this piece out. And I thought, just my opinion, I thought you did a fantastic job. I oh, thought it you. was it was well engineered and it was um you know, it was it was a great project. And I had literally no idea what I was doing. Well, you me, did a fine uh, job. And did you But I mean that's kind of the fun of it, right? <laughs> like, you know, you you learn stuff oh, and gosh. you know and and when because it was electricity, I kind of erred on the side of caution. You did well. So is this still working, Frank, or did, is it out there? So it was it was dismantled, and the parts were kind of scattered to the wind in the four years since I built it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I was I was you know kind of stuck at home because of the quarantine, and I just uh, why not? Like why not rebuild it? Sure. Um, I didn't think the battery would still hold the charge after being dormant for that long, but apparently that's one of the things that marine batteries are are used to doing so i actually have it now and i had this idea to kind of get the kids more into science because the kids have been out of school and yeah kindergarten's not going to happen in any meaningful way um <laughs> the, the county i live in in maryland actually wants to do zoom kindergarten that that would sound i don't know when i think of that i think that sounds like a punchline to a saturday night live skit it's, it, the word i thought of was challenge <laughs> It just sounds like a parody of itself, and it's just like, you know, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I built this out, and what I wanted to do was, and since I didn't know anything about electricity, uh, it, this kit did come with a cigarette lighter adapter. Nice. Um, so you'll see here in the video I'm plugging it in, and I'm doing a descriptive service for the folks on the call. And um, so basically I plug it in. Uh, into the socket, and uh, that's my alternator. So you mentioned AC-DC. So for those on the call that don't know, because um, I kind of knew but didn't really know, so there's two types of ways of delivering electricity. There's probably more, but the two main ones that we interact with are alternating current, AC, or DC, direct current. Alternating current, get this, the current flow alternates. That's crazy talk right there. How how'd they come up with that name? I don't know. Anyway, um <laughs> And there's reasons for that, which I sort of understand, but not well enough to present on. Uh, and then there's direct current, which basically the current kind of stays flowing in one direction. So the stuff in your wall is alternating current. The stuff in your battery, your cell phone battery, is direct current. So I'll jump did in. I do a good job? You did a fan- fantastic job. I'll jump in and just share this little tidbit that I didn't come up with. Um, I can't remember who shared this with me, but I thought it was a great, great idea, a great way of describing it. So direct current, everything's making a circuit, root word circle, mm-hmm. right? And it, the electrons are physically moving in one direction. They're being shared as they move around this big circle in the in the conductor, okay? Alternating current, and this is a part of the description I really like, is the electrons move down the conductor for some amount of time and then they stop and they turn around and come back up the conductor for a certain amount of time so when you see a sine wave representing 
alternating current, what you're really seeing, what that represents is, you know, you can think of this, this the same circle, right? But the electrons are going down and coming back. They're being pushed down the circle. Oh, so that's why the sine wave up, it's going outbound and it's coming back. And and the frequency at which they do that, the frequency at which an electron starts here, goes all the way down, stops and comes back, that's the... So that's 60 hertz in the U.S.? 60 hertz, which would be 60 cycles per second. And... So 60 times a second, it's flipping back and forth. So the electrons are going away. It's going one way for one one hundred twentieth of a second stopping and coming back the other one one twentieth of a second that two two one twentieths is one sixty one over sixty so given that they travel at the speed of light you can figure out where the electrons in your house are typically moving to. true speed of light through a conductor and it varies with conductors oh yeah i guess so it's that whole thing where you've got a if you've got the pool and you put a straight thing in it it looks bent because right, the right. speed of light travels through different mediums at different physical speeds. In a vacuum, it's what, 186,000 miles a second? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, and then other things, it's it's way slower. So, yeah, it's, it is. It's, it is very interesting to think about it that way because a lot of, um, a lot of, Maxwell came up with a way to kind of relate mechanical equations to electrical uh, energy. And it's brilliant work. It was, um, I love it because it was uh, the first time I was exposed to design patterns was when I learned about Maxwell's equations. So interesting. Yeah, it turns out it, physics works. Well, it's kind of funny because you know in traditional education, um, those would be completely different subjects. Well, and the thing is, electrical engineers or in, yeah, electronics engineers, electrical engineers back in the day all got physics degrees. Right. So that it became a different discipline later, which I'm not so sure right. that was a, a good thing, to be honest. Well, I can see why you'd want to specialize. I get it, but yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, if you're if you're a research physicist and you know the the guy at the car shop tells you your alternator is broken and starts throwing stuff at you or you need electrical work done in your house, right? And you, and you can probably spot if you're being lied to. I'm just going to guess on that one. I don't know. Yeah, most of the time. I, I once talked to a college kid at um, uh university in Baltimore. I forget the name, but um, it was Baltimore. Anyway, I spoke to him, and he was, a, he was a double E major, like in his junior year, and he wanted to switch to computer science. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the worst of it's behind you. Yeah. You know? Because certainly a lot of folks who, who were double E's, um, you know, go on to do things. And I just, I recommended you just stay the course because you can always do computer science. And I, I know a know. lot of people in this field, Frank, that are doing data science and data engineering and, you know, and computer science type work, programmers, developers right. Right. that have degrees in some discipline of engineering. I mean, there's an amazing amount of overlap. Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of thought process. It really is. Yeah. All right, so back to the subject at hand, uh, what you're seeing in the video. It's, it's what we do. It's what we do. What we do. Um, let us know in the comments if you like the sidetrack. We're a bit like Family Guy that way, right? We kind of do those, those um, what do they call them? There's actually a word for what they do at Family Guy, the side, like where they'll mention, like, well, I'm not going to, you know, like, my favorite one still is the, the one that kicked off the giant chicken stuff 
Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I don't take chi- I don't take coupons from giant chickens. Not after what happened last time. <laughs> and then they they cut away to what happened last time. <laughs> um, and it's called cutaway. That's, That's it. Called. Yep, cutaway. Um, cool. So um, yeah, so what you're seeing here is I'm plugging in an, uh, uh, an inverter. Uh, which takes the uh, dr- uh, direct current and converts it into alternating current. And there's actually interesting because a lot of the ones, the, the better quality ones, talk about having a pure sine wave. Yes. So that probably mimics how the power company sends you power to your house better than, I guess there's ways you can just flip it this way, that way. And there's probably more, that's why the more expensive ones talk about the pure sine wave. Yeah. What I'm Now, light about... bulbs probably don't care. Well... But expensive yeah. electronic equipment do care. What I'm curious about is you. What did you plug into here? You you, you plugged something into the you know the 110, 120 volt AC coming out. Yeah, I plugged in a webcam. Okay, and uh, didn't the webcam then reconvert this back to DC? Yes. Yeah, so that actually actually it's funny because I say that in the video. I'm like, well. It's probably not the most efficient way because if you see in my hand, uh, the wall war is going to convert that AC back to DC. So the, probably the better thing to do would be to figure out how to get the voltage from, I think it's a 5 volt. It's upstairs now, so um, probably look at it. But uh, I think it's a 5 volt. So basically I'm, yeah, so I even say that this is rather kludgy. And, and all of that's because I didn't really understand electricity. Oh, it's all good. So, I you, yeah. you know, you may, no, actually absolutely be, right. you may actually be safer doing it this way. Uh, I felt safer doing it this yeah. way than, like, me soldering stuff together because, like, I, I, I know that I didn't know. Yeah. I was consciously ignorant, as they said. Well, so, um, like, 12-volt DC power supplies that will allow you to do stepping up and stepping down, a good one would probably be way more expensive than just inverting oh, really? it, you know, throwing it into an inverter and then you know, having the inverter um, feed a power supply that changes it down to, uh, you know, steps it to, to DC and the proper voltage. I think you made the right call, especially for a home hobbyist. I don't know that I would do it differently, Frank, because it's a lot less trouble. And right. you're so, moving parts. So. And I had the plugs. This thing goes into that thing. Right, Turn right. it on. Right. Didn't blow up. <laughs> That that's my knowledge of electricity. You did good, uh, but it's interesting. Somebody called me out on that. Like you know, I know it's hypothetical for your video, right? Uh, but you know, you you would never take a twelve volt DC. I mean, as YouTube comments, as YouTube comments go, this is this is absolutely stellar, angelic, even. Yeah. Um, but he says, why would you do that? And he's like, oh, I paused the video, and then you said that in the video that probably isn't the most efficient thing. And, and yeah, that's the only um, thing I would say about it is the inefficiency. Um, right. But given that you're drawing so little power at the end of the pipe, and see that's that's the thing, right? You need the uh, you need the power to power the webcam, and it looks like it had an antenna on it, so it's talking wirelessly. Right. So there's that. That's right. really all it's doing. It's running those two, and those are you know five or twelve. They may have even been twelve volts at the you know at the very end of the pipe. Um, I don't know. Now, if it had been 12 uh, volts DC, I'd have probably run it straight. No, I remember at least being smart enough to read the back of the wall wart. <laughs> and uh, wall wart is the thing you plug into the wall. And it looks nasty. You know, the big <laughs> chunky thing. Um, I remember looking at the back of that, and I was like, it doesn't match up. I'm not going to mess with it. 
Yeah, no, you. Um, like I, said, I would have been a lot braver if it if it had been the same. You're going to um, have so you know the in, the efficiency is probably going to be driven by the amount of power that's being drawn through it at the end. So if you right. were, you know, but certainly not a, 55 watts. Well, if you're trying to draw like a big blower fan or something crazy like that, right? That then, would yeah, much- that would have been way inefficient. But you weren't doing that. You're running a webcam and a transmitter. Right. So I figured it was it was worth it. And it, it was actually on. So part of the, the use case for this is I took the old parts that I built for the Snowbot and I wanted to do like my own kind of roll your own wildlife cam. Oh, cool. So um, I had a couple of ideas for this. Um, um, oh, Thomas Duclos commented. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Hey, Thomas. Well, um, we uh, so anyway, um, the key here is um uh i wanted a wildlife cam right and because my dogs would bark in the middle of the night and i just want to see what they were barking at yeah, you know so i would put this out the 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 use case was i put this out somewhere in my backyard pointed at the guy i have one acre this guy has like eight acres just kind of pointed at those woods there yeah it has night vision right so a lot of those what yeah. cams they have the night vision so i just want to see what was out there and um you know i had it out there and i had it in the camera itself in a protect, protective cover, um, and it was cool because I could remotely like turn, pan it. And stuff oh, like that, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, so what happened? And this I did not anticipate. Again, second IoT project. Right, right. <laughs> Turns out that below a certain temperature, the mechanism that rotates the camera fails. That makes or sense. Or it doesn't work. I don't know why. I when it stopped rotating, I'm like crap i broke it and um but once i brought it inside and you know waited till a day or so it magically came on started back so So, um, maybe the solution would be a heated but that would definitely draw more power (laughs) right right because you're not getting the heat for free right interesting Um, but yeah so i hadn't i i that was the end of my experiment because i kind of had seen what i did well so one of the things i wanted to do in the absence of school and my you know mom's an engineer my you know my wife's an engineer i'm an engineer we're all kind of geeks here yeah and i wanted to get them one off their ipads um and two kind of get them more interested in kind of the tech behind the ipad and i was like the the young one is the younger one is really into making sure his ipad's fully charged so um, i'm what i want to do is i want to kind of like I have an idea. Let's try to keep charging up our devices, but only using the sun. That is a cool idea. So, and because it's a solar battery, you know, you don't have to plug it in anywhere. Another use case I had was this. This was kind of really sad and geeky. I'm not even sure I should say it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, uh, but when they had school, yeah, uh, the school bus stop is about 10 feet outside the range of our wireless network. Hmm. So, and of course, you know, that brought all sorts of tears and screaming and yelling, which is probably more of a statement of how terrible a dad I am. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> to have them that reliant on Wi-Fi signal. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> That's not true. That's not you. Well, thank you. Um, so I thought, well, I have an old router... Yeah, I could pair it, you know, kind of do the, the 
like a repeater, but yeah. take on that gear and somewhere in the empty field, you know, next to my house that I don't own and apparently nobody owns, but that that's a whole other story. Um, just drop the that that Home Depot thing and the solar panels, yeah, and you know, have a repeater. Boom. I never I never proceeded with that because the more I thought about it, the more sad and pathetic it sounded. That maybe the kids could deal with waiting five minutes a day with no uh, cell phones. But it's, it's five minutes, right? <laughs> That's a whole, what, uh, 300 seconds? I'm telling you, man, yeah. we have the same thing here with the junior engineers, as I like to call my kids who live at home. The junior engineers, yeah. Sometimes the image will start breaking up and stuff. That's when they're, they're probably up to three or four things streaming and downloading at the same time. See the lights dim every now and then. I'll do meetings, you know, like before 10 o'clock because they're not up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. And um, at least where I have, we actually upgraded to gigabit Ethernet. That's just crazy, man. I'm all the way up to 25 megsy. Wow. We still don't know. We, we still haven't gotten this, the, the full gigabit. I do speed testing. and um, Oh, that's funny. Um, but, oh, that's awesome. That's going on the board. Thank you, Thomas, for the comment. That's actually a wicked cool idea um, is, is to just name that Wi-Fi hotspot uh, with high surveillance. <laughs> I think Stevie Ray has, uh, has the hotspot uh, named something like that on his front. Nice. Well, fortunately, I live in a better neighborhood than I grew up in. I would imagine if I threw that up in a neighborhood I grew up in, there would be a lot of panic. It could. It could. Out here in Farmville, we have uh, similar similar things. But um, yeah. you know, it's it's nice to have twenty five Mac DSL out here because depending on you know the weather and how tight the string is between the cans, you know, we sometimes get like twenty seven. Broadband in, in the United States is, is a joke. I mean, it's just, it, there's just no... But I get it, right? I mean, we're both people who do statistics. We can do a cost-benefit analysis probably in our heads. We know how much it takes to run fiber everywhere. They're right, Interesting, right. they're actually out here not far, about a half mile up the road. They were pulling this big bundle that looked like fiber nice. um, not long ago. And I was like, I wonder if they're coming down our road. Because if they do, yeah, cool. I could go out there with the cutters and the sh- No, I would. <laughs> yeah. Fiber's a lot harder to displace. I'm just, just going to. You know, I learned how to do that. But I know a guy. Way back. Just it, saying. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's not trivial. Yeah. Um, it's not like um, coaxial, where that's a lot easier to do. Yeah. But, you know, um, Iron but, Man uh, made it look so easy, and he was even doing it underwater. Yeah, but that's. Tony Stark, though. He's way smarter than... He might even be smarter than Taleb. Maybe. If he, you know. Anyway, um, but um, the the whole thing that I think has come up, and, and we've kind of danced around this in terms of careers yeah. for folks, because this is what the originally titled a LinkedIn live feed. But that's a problem with us, because we do so many cutaways, a bit like Family Guy, yeah. with a little bit less crude jokes. Um, as uh, the notion of 
this this came up when I was doing a you know me I'm a sort of I, I I'm a online course maniac you know how many search? oh I actually counted up how many I've taken how many search drum roll yeah 64 64 you've hit another power of two my god that's right i thought it was like 58 because you asked me um i found out it was 64 because <laughs> the um, you know so what i ended up doing was i just copied and pasted the html from the web page because linkedin used to tell you the count yeah they don't anymore so i was like well, i'm gonna write a script and i'll you know, parse the HTML and Python and count up how many things. So I started doing that. And I'm like, you know, just for grins, why don't I just copy and paste into Word? And it turns out every one of the, because when I saw every one of those elements was a, a, an LI in HTML, which is a list item. I'm like, so I pasted it into Word and uh, turned it from an unnumbered list to a numbered list. And poof, I had my number. You're so smart. <laughs> You'll teach those people to take away your your certification count, right? Well, no, it just reminded me of something that that Bill Gates is attributed to. I don't know if he actually said it, but well, lazy lazy people are the going to find the most efficient path in that sense. That's what I say I mean, about engineers time, all the time. We're not lazy. It's true. Well, like by by the time my IDE had opened up, I had my answer. I was like, oh, well, that wasn't me. <laughs> Well, not only that, like, now I know how to find it in the future. And now you, who are listening or watching, know how to do that, too. Um, but one of them was this whole thing where they were talking about what is data engineering. And the way they, made, the way they phrased it was kind of weird. Uh, it was phrased in the sense that um, it was phrased like data engineers move and 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 um you know tidy up and clean the data for data scientists that's fair and i i i do remember the name of the instructor i'm not going to call him or her out on that but i'm like not the case in any project i've been on but okay <laughs> <laughs> but it also i don't think this was the intent but i think it made it, it made the data engineer more subservient sounding the way it, i oh, read wow. it Okay. It was just, just kind of weird, and I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I would argue that in terms of career stability, I think there's a couple of things kind of in motion. This is just me spitballing, as they say, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of thinking out loud, which might be dangerous to do on a live stream now. So <laughs> I think about it. Um, is I think the real growth in career certainly for the next five years, he's going to be the data engineer. And, and here's why. Not the data scientist, not the AI engineer. And I know right now I can feel it, Andy. I can feel it. All the eyeballs looking at me like, you know. <laughs> and for those of you on the podcast, I was making a, a fist thing, punching the other fist. Uh, I, it's, not, it's not a knock on it. I think there is a, there's a lot of talk about an AI winter. So if you're not familiar with the term AI winter, uh, AI winter was the, the terms of that AI research, AI innovation tends to come in waves, mm. right? When Alan Turing kind of first posited the idea of what artificial intelligence would look like, what would it do? Right. It was an initial flurry of activity. Sure. But then we hit the, the processing of the time was just not up for it, right? So it kind of, kind of died. Mm -hmm. 
80s, same thing. That's when a lot of research into neural networks were done and, and stuff like that. People are surprised to hear that this was not invented by Facebook in you know, 2010. <laughs> Apparently, no. It actually goes back further. Who knew? Um, and um, so the, the, the wave there is that um, um, so Thomas Duclos said, so, so depending on who you talk to, there, there's been several winters, right? So Right, so some people don't count the one in the Turing era winter, right? Uh, they count zero. But yeah, you know, maybe that's right. So the zeroth one was Turing, uh, but the se- the the second item in the list, how's that for? Nah, I like that. Uh, was in the eighties, right? Because there was this big flurry of activity, right? Particularly around neural networks. But if you know one thing about neural networks, they do love themselves some power, um, some CPU power, and then the field kind of died. And I was a freshman in college in the early 90s, and um, I took an AI class. I'm thinking, like, ooh, AI, yay. But it was just basically prologue. That's basically what it was. It wasn't. Prologue can infer relationships. Ooh, yay. <laughs> not what? Well, here, here are my expect. I'm not saying it was a bad class, but here are my expectations. And for those of you on the podcast, I'm raising my hand real high. And even for those on the camera, I don't think what the uh, reality you know, is, was much less. So then that began the second winter was kind of in the 80s. Right. And then obviously now it's definitely um, definitely we're in, in kind of the highlight. But, you know, there's a lot of rumblings about you know, AI innovation, AI research is kind of stalling because we're running out of processing. Well, we keep, that's what I was going to say. We keep hitting the limits of hardware. But right. I doubt so, that we'll see another. I, what I'm seeing is the cycles are shortening. Even if you go from the you know right. touring to the 80s, and then from the 80s forward, and, and we saw good engineers doing what good engineers do. Right? They find a way to solve the problem. They, um, you know, you solder together circuit you know, the motherboards. <laughs> so did you right, do right, massive right, parallelization right. while you know where where it's literally manual you are connecting the, you know, there was a lot of that sort of stuff that went on. And then people discovered GPUs do a lot of the same math that uh, we right. need for neural networks. And so it came back and well, we're, we're right on the cusp, Frank, of, um, you know, a phenomenal, um, you know, uh, quantum computing, right? Phenomenal prompt. I was going to say, like, it's not all bad news. No, right? no. So, so don't think this may, uh, you know, like you said, if you if you look if you zoom out enough, there's definitely patterns yeah. to things. And I'm not saying that we're going to face another AI winter that's going to shut this down for 30 years. No, absolutely not. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, so maybe put down the um, the laser scoped like thing <laughs> <laughs> and and the lead pipe. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I think that 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 that, that is a it's the chance of that happening in, in data science terms is you know non-zero. Yeah. Um, but there are some 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 bright things to think about. One of which is quantum computing, which could uh, alleviate a lot of this pressure. Uh, two, we're not there yet. We haven't hit the wall yet. But you know, um, it's not necessarily going to happen. But I would say is that the 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 thing that the 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 thing that gets the title right, the clickbait titles, right? Or AI learns how to do this, right. right? AI learns how to do that. 
what you don't hear is the massive, impressive engineering that happens behind the scenes to move 10 million images from point A to point B. And you know, we keep we keep beating on this because I I think because we work uh, in this industry and around this technology, the things that catch my eye and your eye are, are decidedly less clickbaity. Like right. it's the things like the natural language processing that will mimic any accent uh, anywhere. We were goofing right. around with this. You remember a couple of years ago, you and I were on the phone together, and Stevie was. We were going somewhere. I think we were riding from Sequel yeah. Saturday or something, and you kept playing, you know, the similar phrases in different um, accents, and just showing off what we had then. Now, right? Now we're able. It's it's like you said. It's you. It's um we're not going to be able to distinguish uh, the difference between the real and the fake now. And So I'm glad you mentioned that yeah. because starting uh, with our three-year uh, birthday anniversary special for the podcast, yeah. our voiceover is AI. It's an AI-generated voice. There we go. Which when you first heard it, you thought I had contacted You said, that lady... You know, who did the voiceover work sounds a little different. I did say I, I thought it was the same lady. I thought she just had two which, or three years old. Which is pretty cool. I mean, like in the sense that so so what that enables us to do um, is to customize those messages. Right. Now I could have done that before, but again, the the, the cost was not worth it. Right. Um, but one of the things that we're you know pondering it, it also it's also fun to kind of make you know her we call it the voiceover you know, AI her it's kind of it's kind of very meta that you know a show about data and science and AI is the AI voiceover uh, you know announcer and um, there's other creative ideas we were thinking is that you know what if somebody wants to sponsor us right. or do a Patreon type thing you know hey for five bucks you know yeah. we can have her say this show is in a posh British accent this show is sponsored by you know so and so I mean, it's just. Go, sorry, go ahead. No, so the cost to me to do that is just the time it takes to do right. it, which is you know, there's an interface for it. I type it in, I hit create, that's it. Whereas before, um, you know, she she would give you like a 24 hour turnaround, but it was it, it starts at 35, 40 bucks. Her right. Prices have also gone up in the last way, few way years. more than what you're paying now. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thought experiment in terms of well what does that mean for voiceover work in general what does that mean for actors in general i mean it's just it's just an interesting kind of thing where the ai is going to take jobs but not always in the obvious well, and place. that's what we that's what we've keyed on i think throughout the show through the especially through the data points you and i have done um right. where we talk about like i remember i did one in baltimore harbor where um mm-hmm. it was a automated um parking attendant if you will and you know you would you would grab a ticket when you came in and when you go out. And it's a little, it's a dumb little thing. But somebody's not making minimum wage because of that. And at Walmart, right. it's the same thing here. We we have now more automated lanes uh, for checkout right. than we have human lanes. And, you know, I heard a joke about that, that Walmart decided to, they did actually decide to close on Thanksgiving this year, which I think is a, is a pretty cool move. But the rest of right. it, the jokey part is now both, uh, now both of their uh, checkout people can go home and spend Thanksgiving 
so because there's only two lanes open no matter when you go to Walmart. <laughs> one th one thing you said though, Frank, rolling back a few minutes, when you talked about the relationship between a data engineer and a data scientist or or AI person, you saw that as a little subservient. I, I don't, and I am a data engineer. Um, I see it as um, the data science AI person, reports developer, whomever, analyst. Um, they're my customer. And so right. am I Am I serving them? Sure. But do I feel subservient to them? No, no more than I would working for anybody else. Well, the way I phrase that, let me, let me clarify, because if you misinterpreted it. Did I? I'm sorry. I'm sure that, no, 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 no. It could have been on me. I, the way that the instructor on this course phrased mm. it seemed that way to me. I, I don't think, I don't believe that for one bit. Okay, good. Because I think ultimately, um, you know, ultimately, data, this is what I was getting at because I was talking to somebody about career advice and gotcha. they were like, you know, want to do data science, want to do data science. I'm like, awesome. Love your spirit. However, <laughs> <laughs> the data science field is a lot more crowded today than it was two years, four years, I mean, two, I mean, go back. It's been exponential growth. Exponential growth is awesome. Yes. But you know the bad thing about exponential growth is? Eventually it stops. Eventually it stops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then what happens? You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are um, thinking that, you know, and there are people that did this. If I got into data science just a few years before I did. Yeah. I would have a friend of mine, awesome friend. Unfortunately, he's laid off now, but but he, you know, he had the waterfront condo like in a fancy building, like like, you know, he went, he, you know, he he achieved that, you know, like right. you know, like the the, the crazy car, the crazy TVs, like it, yeah, you know, because he made a fair bit of money because he was there, he was the right place in the right time. Yeah. Now I joined just a few years later because I'm slow, I guess. No. Um, but um, one of these days, man, Windows Phone's going to make a comeback. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, thereby hangs the tail. Um, so uh, I can laugh about it now. Uh, but anyway, um, the thing is, is that, you know, I got in at the right time. Yeah. Right? Anyone who comes in will get in and they'll do well. But the, problem, the thing that kind of concerns me is whether they're, you know, is that it, the, the, the riches and Lamborghinis that you think data science is, is not there anymore. Yeah. I missed it. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad career choice because it is a good career choice. However, I do think that there's a risk of there being a glut of, of data scientists on the market. Well, and you know what drives that, right, is those Lamborghinis. Right. That so I once worked for a company. Right. This is kind of like uh, Machiavelli, like uh, when he wrote The Prince, he's like, I know a prince who did this. And then like, you know, to us, we have no idea who he's talking about. But people back then, there's a reason why he died in hiding. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, but I, I uh, there was once a consulting company that, you know, um, at one point, SharePoint was everything. Everything was SharePoint. Yeah. Right. Because the bill rates on SharePoint were through the roof. Right. But, you know, guess what happens? I hear about that. I want some of that. Right. You hear about that. I want some of that. Yeah. Soon, the bill rates come down a little bit because there's more supply to meet the demand. Eventually, that wave crashes. Yeah. You know, uh, it it happened. It happened to me with Java. It happened to me with um, 
Um, well, with Windows Phone, there was never really a... But anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, this sort of thing happens. It happened with me with uh, doing Perl CGI type work early in the day uh, of the web and, and stuff like that. It happened with Visual Basic when I was doing that. You know, the, the just... Uh, just because things are going in a, in a vertical direction is not guaranteed it's going to stay in that vertical direction. Right. And it's, it kind of goes back so, to what we were saying earlier when we had the, right. the funny question about that. It's it's hard to predict the future right. from the present or the past. It's just, I, I love it when all our sidetracks kind of converge. Well, on. we're doing that, man. It's, it's, it's almost like we planned it, we, but we really didn't. It's, we're just good. Don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> we're trained professionals. <laughs> So Thomas Duclos, getting back to the voice uh, uh, over, Those are good uh, is I should get Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones, yes. Uh, uh, he also suggests James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. If I could afford James Earl Jones, it, it's a no-brainer. Like, I mean, it's done, right? Um, I don't think we can – pretty sure we can't afford Orlando Jones impersonating James Earl Jones. Maybe. Um, but there was, a, there was a Family Guy voiceover thing where they kind of did – we got this segment, you know – to be narrated by uh, Morgan Freeman. That's who I was thinking. I was thinking Morgan Freeman would be the ultimate. Right, he would be he the was, ultimate one. And yeah. then, like, it was like, but I was, but I, but I came in to do the second sentence because Morgan Freeman was too expensive. <laughs> and then somebody else comes on, it's like, and I sound a lot like, and I can impersonate Morgan Freeman. And I'm even cheaper than the first two. I don't know. <laughs> Everything else they were talking about, I would not be comfortable saying. But you know, it's definitely, <clears throat> I think it's the one where Meg goes to the Olympics. If you want to see the clip. But it's Family Guy, so you have been warned. The same. Yes, not always. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But um, but uh, so so I mean I, I mean from my point of view is if I if I were in my position where I was, um, where I was looking for a new kind of career shift from kind of client end stuff, yeah. the data, I would weigh it more on data engineering now. Because no matter what happens, data has to get from point A to point B. That that's a really and the fair shortest, point. Yeah. The shortest path, I think, for success is to go into data engineering. You're not going to be a ninja overnight. But, you know, you're not. Yeah. You're not getting your head beat up by the crazy statistics and the math. Like right. mutual acquaintance of ours, when he completed the stats class, um, I think he completed it like two days after I did. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then he said something. He made a comment that kind of stuck with me. He's like, as soon as I clean off the blood off the desk or something like that, I was just like, <laughs> wow, somebody had it harder than me on that one. Okay. It was, um, yeah. And I, I agree with you in that, Frank. I mean, it is. So data sources and data targets will change. But. Really, as a data engineer, what I have to kind of keep up with is the capabilities of, you know, the new engines that are out there. And I, I do a lot of work in Azure Data Factory these days. So, you know. It's, but you parlayed, like, your ninja-ness in SSIS into that. Well, I, I appreciate that compliment. Right? It warms my heart. It always, I always get a little worried when people say things like, as I, I like to say experience. <laughs> you know? But I was into SSIS early, and it took right. off like crazy. And it's still out there. You can still do it in Azure Data Factory, and there's a you know there's quite a bit of work out there. And Microsoft has a really cool story. Now Frank works for Microsoft, so he can't say 
full disclosure, I can't say. I'm an MVP, a Microsoft MVP, but I've been saying this for, for decades anyway. Well, not that's not true. I've been saying this for about a decade. Um, if you look at the kind of look at the wars that have gone on for cloud services, um, Amazon was definitely ahead uh, of the pack a few years ago. And Azure kind of came in a little later, but they started building up stuff. I think Google is still in that getting started phase, and I'd never rule them out. Um, but I'll, you know, when people ask me, if, you know, who's going to win the war? Um, I, I say my response is Azure is not going to win the cloud wars. And they look at me kind of, what? And I say, because they, I like the way I'm looking at you now. Right, huh? yeah. They already have one. But this is the way these things happen. You plant, mm. I'm a farmer. You plant these seeds, you, ha- you, know, you have chickens and you hatch these eggs, and they grow up, and eventually you get fruit from the plants and or vegetables, and you get more eggs from the chickens. This is the way this works. And Azure has done a number of things right. And this is not thrown off on AWS, I promise. A lot of customers, we've helped move stuff into AWS and, and you know, and help them that way. Um, this is not taking anything away from them. This is just the facts. This is physics, if you will, of the software industry, and especially, especially with data. It, it, this is more of a game where the early, it's not the early bird gets the worm. It's more of the second mouse gets the cheese. And I say right. it that way because AWS went in and they did a lot of things first. I, I, you know, I remember eight years ago when they, they, put, um, they put SQL Server in the cloud, um, the newest version ahead of Microsoft. And, you know, they did a lot of things right. But the, that's a recipe for technical debt. When you're right, right there leading with nobody else, you're out front. Right. It's like that scene in Forrest Gump where he says, I ran so fast I realized I was all alone, and that was a bad mm. thing. And it can be. It can be a bad thing. Right. No, that's true. I mean, it, it's called the cutting edge because not just you're cutting into something that, because you can cut yourself as well. Yeah, and actually, you know, um, they learned a lot of those lessons they built differently. Are they still, you know, are they still running into technical debt? They are. But what I see, Microsoft, I think Microsoft gets undervalued all the time for their integration. I'm not talking about data integration. I'm just talking about right, 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 integration. Right. Um, I think they get way um you know, they're not getting the recognition they deserve for that. They've always thought that way. And what I've seen just on the outside looking in is that they they not only changed the services that they offer in Azure to meet the demand, they went deeper. They changed cultures. They pivoted. In a right. Lot. No, that's true. Since Satya came in. I mean, I've, I've worked at Microsoft under two CEOs, and it's it's a very different experience it, it, I, and i get that i totally get that and they're right. they are learning these lessons um you know that come in maybe on the surface right you're trying to do this and it just won't work and what they do in response to it is often a much deeper response than it appears it needs to fix the problem on the surface but i see these right. pivoting these you know pivots happening all over and like seeds in the ground like you say that's that, what i'm saying see it right away yeah no that's a good point four or five years down the road this will come to fruition these things that they're doing and i would not ever count out bezos and the team there at aws i know some of the uh, people over there we've talked to some of the people over there 
you and I have. And they're well, and, scary and, smart. You know, they are very smart. Yeah. I mean, I competed against Amazon when I was at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Know, yeah. Com, and, you know, I think we know who won that fight. Well, but um, this is, I think this is going to be a, a, you know, a much bigger and a more drawn out battle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it, the, the battle space, if you will, yeah. is much. Um, never count. Um, never count. Yeah. So, um, so here's a, we could, uh, Thomas Duclos has just sent us a couple of comments. Um, I like commenting on the folks in the live stream because, hey, you're taking your time out. We can so do it. That's cool. <laughs> Yay. Um, yeah, I would love to pull lines off Bruce Almighty, but I'm sure the copyright police will come and get us. Or the, um, the AI, by, uh, the AI bots. Morgan so this is interesting. Uh, uh, Thomas also commented, it's a great Harvard, I'm assuming that HBR's Harvard Business Review use case that will be more recognized over time. Sacha's pivot is uh, educational and study worthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, years from now, assuming we survive the viral apocalypse, um, you know, um, people will be commenting on, you know, you know, this is where Microsoft was. This is where um, uh, they were, you know, just a few years later. I mean, right. just look, I mean, I, I, full disclosure, I work for Microsoft. I own Microsoft stock, blah, blah, blah. Right. Just look at a chart. You know, that's what the market thinks, right? Yeah. Now, you can debate whether or not that's a, a valid indicator, but it is an indicator of success, for sure. Yep. Um, yep. You know, if you look at um, just any number of, by any metrics, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's changed. Yeah. And I've read the book, Hit Refresh, and kind of his point of view about what he thought needed to be done. Uh, is it Peter Drucker, the culture eat strategy for breakfast quote? <laughs> Is kind of Maybe. what I think was kind of what he was saying is like you know you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't have a culture that supports that strategy, it's not going to be executed. Yeah, I think is a you know that's the deep the deep piece that I see. I see a lot right of exactly it ties back into that. It's like you know you you want to you, you know it, it's just you, if you want to change where you are, you have to change the way you think. To change the way you think is one thing, but to change the way a group thinks, right. Well, not not groupthink, but you know, change <laughs> more than one person thinks. You need a culture change, and I, I find that um, that the leadership on culture um, is, is is pretty pretty big. I, I just I think that's that that's something that I'm not sure if it's all Satya or not. I doubt that it's all him, but it has to start at the top if you're going to change culture. Well, the one thing I, I I've seen and this isn't just about any one company, but anywhere I have worked is that the CEO at any any company that's over like five people yeah. cannot influence day-to-day decisions. It's just not, that doesn't scale. Because what does scale is their attitude and their, their the culture that they want to portray. Sure. If you look at GE over the years, yeah. right? Or... Um, you know, Jack Welsh kind of put through one type of culture, yep. love him or hate him, right? Yep. yep. Not a lot of people in the middle on that one. Um, but I mean, the, the, the CEO sets the tone. Yes. Uh, and then the rest of the senior leadership also sets the tone, which kind of goes down. And there's a lot of things you can kind of see that, you know, the whole notion of, you know, people would repeat the phrase fail fast 
Did they really mean it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Some people um, were just, uh, you know, repeating mantras that sounded cool. And they were a little, yes, they, they were kind of cliche. You live for it. But God help you if you actually failed. God help you. For real. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but in terms of. way to do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as long as you learn, you know, you don't do the same thing over and over. Again. Right. And I think that's really the key. So we're coming up on just about an hour. My goodness. Has it been an hour already? Yeah, it has been. Wow, Frank. I love doing these streams. So I will, um, I will end, I will record the ending for the podcast uh, here. So, and then if anyone has extra questions and stuff, we'll stick around for a minute or two. Um, this is a book that just came. Uh, it's called The Price of Tomorrow. Uh, plan on reading this. I'm at book 43 right now. I think you finished 43. Yeah. You sent me, you send me notes. I have to, I have to look at that because the, the notes I send not to, just to brag. No, it's <laughs> But also it's my archive. I probably should have, like, write an app or something. Um, but, um, but yeah, so this is, uh, this, this came highly reviewed and it basically talks about deflation, the changing nature of labor, automation, that sort of thing. I don't know if it's an, yeah, check it out. Um, I don't know if it's an audio book. I'm doing it right now. So that's um, the Audible is a sponsor of ours. Uh, So if you go to thedatadrivenbook.com, they kick us back. I don't know. Maybe I can buy a Starbucks. The Price of Tomorrow is an audible book. It is an audio book. Okay, cool. Uh, You get one free audio book on us. And if you sign up for their subscription, uh, I mean, I would, but I don't just say that. I have, I counted, uh, they, unlike other companies, uh, online properties, um, you actually do get rich statistics uh, from Audible. Yep. Here, Same here. This. I'm actually uh, hitting, um, I'm actually, I'm getting it right now. I just clicked the complete purchase, but I do, we do the, like, I think it's called the Platinum Plan. Uh are you on the plat? You're on like on the high money plan. Well, I I forget how much it is, but we I mean I still end up running out of credits. So because a right. bunch of us are doing it now, like like three four of us here on the, in the I think Riley's the only one not listening to audio books. <laughs> and he's the youngest. He's the so youngest. He's he's about to turn uh, Monday. He turns thirteen. So oh wow! He was asking me. I'd been telling him he was a command sergeant, twelve year old. He's asking me. He he thinks he should be promoted when he reaches thirteen. So I I really like that command sergeant. I like something that. too. Yeah. But yes, Audible. You, Go ahead. Oh no, Audible gives you really rich statistics in terms of like what you see. Yeah. Um, and it's for some reason it's delaying. Sorry. About uh, that. Loading on my uh, thing. But anyway, uh, you can actually see kind of you know, how many. I think I'm at two hundred and forty-eight titles in my library. Wow. I have no idea when. Um, um, well, see, I could have more, but it's not just me, right? So, you know, right, 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 right. The expanse. Well, I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the basic plan. So, I was there for so Thomas Duclos. Um, actually, has another um, thing here about uh, presidential uh, presidential history and leadership. Oh, in terms of culture and kind of pushing that down. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Uh, masterclass.com. I actually do have a one course from them. Um, I should probably look into that okay. more. Well, I should definitely do that. So thank you, Thomas. I like that. Let's check that um, out. But um, so they are a sponsor of the show, and uh, be sure to check it out. 
we recorded this if you haven't figured out already um we recorded this live on linkedin and um you have a great day any parting words of wisdom andy no frank just y'all i i I love what you said y'all have a great awesome thanks for listening to data driven be sure to let us know what you think of our live streaming experimentation leave a comment on the show page at datadriven.tv or linkedin